I believe that American policymakers believe that China's actions are fixed and hostile. That's how we act. We even say it in our security documents that China and Russia want to shape a world antithetical to U.S. values and interests. You know what I say to that? Nonsense. Because going to China several times a year for the last 30 years, it's not true. What China wants to do is be prosperous, powerful, capable, secure, just like we do. They're not interested in shaping a world antithetical to our values and interests. They're interested in their own well-being. And their own well-being is enhanced by cooperation with the United States, not by confrontation with the United States. If we take as given that they're out to destroy us, okay, we'll end up in a non-cooperative arms race. But if we actually realize how big the gains from cooperation are, we'll end up in a better place. I think what's really going on, though, is something more basic which is the U.S. has high anxiety about China's economic rise. And the reason is mainly that China was poor 40 years ago. Now it's not as rich as the United States, but it's had a big increase in the economy. And because there are 1.4 billion people in China, more than four times the American population, that looks threatening to Americans. But it should not be, it is not threatening per se, it just looks threatening. And there's a basic misunderstanding. And this graph, I think, can help to explain what's happening. It's a a little bit busy, and uh, let me just describe. These are the shares of the world economy of different regions. So the United States is the blue line. Back in 1820, at the beginning of this graph, the United States was a couple percent of world output. By 1945, we were 30% of world output. Victorious in World War II, industrialized, powerful, and we felt we're pretty invincible. We're the biggest economy in the world. And that's the blue line. But since 1952, our share of the world economy is diminishing because other countries are developing, especially in Asia. The green line is Western Europe. Western Europe industrialized even before the United States. The UK was the first industrial economy. And so Europe had a bigger population and earlier industrialization. And that's why in the 19th century, the British Empire ruled the world. But Europe also had a relative decline. Now look at the red line. That's Asia. In 1820, Asia was 60% of the world population. And the reason is everybody was poor, but most people lived in Asia. And 60% of the world lived in Asia, and incomes were the same everywhere. And so 60% of world output was in Asia, especially China and India. Then Britain industrialized, and with an industrial navy and army, it went and beat the hell out of the rest of the world and conquered India completely by 1857 and invaded China in 1839 in what 
historians call the first opium war, burned down the summer palace in the second opium war, and basically used its naval superiority to dominate the world economy. And Asia went into a decline. By the end of the 19th century, Asia was uh, really in poverty. And by the end of 1945, Asia was, all of Asia with more than half the world was a smaller economy than the U.S. economy and Western European economy. That's the bottom of the red curve. But then, of course, look what happened after 1945, after World War II. Asia started to recover. Why? Because it had economic development. And China and India both had economic growth, though China's was even more remarkable. Very successful, well done, well managed. And so Asia is returning to be a central part of the world economy. Of course, Britain lost its empire. Uh, India became independent in 1947. China became independent even of Japan, which had invaded it in 1949. And based on that national sovereignty, both countries expanded considerably, as did many other parts of the Asian economy. So we're in a different world now. And another way to see that is that the Western world and the East Asian world are about the same size economy now. If you add in the U.S. and Europe together and compare that with China, Japan, Korea, and Southeast Asia, it's the same size now. So this is the big historical change. We think we run the world, but something happened in between, which is that technology, literacy, development spread more widely. So I believe that's not because the other side is evil. It's just because it's catching up for lost time. And the lost time came because we were evil. We were imperial, not, I mean, the U.S. to an extent, but especially Britain, France, and so forth, which took over much of the Asian world. And then after World War II, the Asian countries uh, achieved independence. And China's now a bigger economy than the United States, measured in what are called international prices, standardized prices. This frightens Americans. But we should remember that in per-person terms, the United States is still much richer than China, much richer. But China's a big place and a proud place, and it doesn't want to be bullied. And I say that's fine from my point of view. We don't have to bully China. China doesn't have to bully us. We need to reach the upper left-hand quadrant of our two-country game. That is cooperate, cooperate. Now, there are many issues of cooperating. I'm going to pass all of that back just to say, maybe I'll, I'll stop here for one moment. President Kennedy said something in uh, 60 years ago in his inaugural address that I think is really important. He said, the world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. That is our reality in the world today. We could destroy or we could solve our problems. 